Hello, beautiful people of your spirit doing welcome back to another episode of Peace Talk Podcast. And we we are almost there. We're almost to Thanksgiving. This used to be my favorite holiday. Miranda, what's what's your favorite holiday, real quick? Halloween. Halloween? Okay. All right. Goobs yeah. <laughs> and goblins in this. Okay. Um the, and I've had so much fun having people on. Some of these conversations and dialogues I've had has, has just been the absolute best. Keeping with that, I have a list of people. And this young lady has entered my life, <laughs> you know, like not that long ago. Like it's fucking 2021. I met you at the end of, of 2019. Was there anything? We had met like previously before that at like maybe one or two shows. But it was just kind of like a high buy. Love just that kind of thing, and then I leave. So you you ain't throw you ain't throwing titty on me or nothing. I knew you were a married man, Dave. <sighs> I'm not throwing the titties on married men. You know, a, a broken home, a little Section Eight house. Okay, <laughs> I throw a little titty out there. <laughs> but you got a fully development. You got a full development. It's a house with kids. I need, my, to, I need to find where, where are these where are these women with no morals at? Like I remember, <laughs> I remember when I used to live in in Mason City, Iowa. This is ooh. Uh, twelve years ago, there was there were many of them out out there because uh, I lived in Minnesota and I got promoted to Mason City. That's how I first get out here and, and met my wife. And there was there was I don't want to say loose women, but like there was a, pre- a plethora <laughs> of of women that were just like out not giving a f. And <laughs> I feel like the percentage of so when I was here, I, I was under the impression that everybody was just fucking everybody. Like that is that is that mm-hmm. still a thing? Because you were also in North Iowa. You're about an hour. Uh, I don't know west because it, it's I am- it's Charles City. It's it's almost like you're you're heading out um, Iowa City, or I don't know why why places are just called something city. But anyway, well, well first let, let's back up. Um, I let everybody introduce themselves because I can't introduce you better than you can. So go ahead and tell everybody uh, who you are and what you're all about. And uh, we'll start there. Um, my name is Miranda Moses. I'm a mom of three girls, full-time CNA. Um, trying to be a full-time comedian. <laughs> um, just basically living my life, trying to find my passion in life and what makes me happy. And that's that. You originally from Chicago. So how did you get to... And like, how did you get from Chicago to Charles City? At the time, I knew friends and they had moved to different parts of Iowa. Was living in Chicago, just wasn't really happy with where I was in Chicago. Where I was, it had been, I was in the Bronzeville area. And back in 2006, 2000, it was a really nice area because it was up and coming. But, you know, it was still kind of headed little shady areas. But it was just, you know, things just started to go bad. And I'm like, this is not what I want. Because at the time I had a five-year-old daughter, I'm like, this is not the environment I want to raise my kid in. It's things going on around the neighborhood that I just didn't want her to be introduced into or have questions about. Because it's just certain things as a parent you don't want to expose your kid to. If you don't have to, and you definitely don't want to expose them to it earlier than they should know about it. So it was like, you know, where can I go? And a friend of mine was like, well, come to Iowa and visit. And if you like it, I'll help you, you know, find a place and move down. So came down and spent a couple of weeks and it was just quiet and peaceful. And at that time in my life, I felt like that's what I needed. So I'm like, you know, maybe this is the creative way of trying to tell me it's time for a change. What element helped 
keep you here in 2006 or was it 2007 in january of 2017 okay and i came in i stayed for like a year year and a half and then i went to texas in 2008 because i had i don't know like i liked it here but i guess i was missing that big city feel Mm -hmm. so i went to texas for a while i had a cousin there got there established myself and then my mom had got sick and my sisters i have two sisters and a brother neither one of them were over the age of 18 so my mom's like you know i kind of need your help so i moved back and then in 2010 i had my daughter bella and you know it just kind of the small town family feel is kind of what kept me here but i do still miss that big city i I know i want to talk about uh your first ever stand-up show. Um, yeah. I, I, I've shared this story. I, I talked about it on a, on, a, on our show Friday, but I, yeah, I was in Charles City doing a show, and that's... Here's the thing about Charles City. I had a great first show the first time I was there. Like, it was reason enough for me to want to return. When you... And I when think you were, that's when I actually first saw you the very first time. It was a show in Charles City I caught you at at um Hot Spot. Yeah. And yeah. then I saw you again in Charles City. I think it was you had a show at the brewery and I came out with a friend of mine and I saw that show. But I didn't get to see you like meet you after that show. I had to go straight from the show to work or something. But I did get to see two of your shows before we were formally met. And I think the first one was the Charles City show. Cause yeah, I think you might have had Bernard or maybe somebody yeah. somebody was with you, but yeah, I do no, remember no, it was I, you. I uh I, I had Bernard and uh, a young lady with me, I think. Um the problem with working shows out here sometimes is it's not easy to pick up the phone and be like, Hey, can you come hop on this show? I need an opener, I need uh, somebody to to fill time. And um around that time I was just trying to um showcase my talent while also bringing diversity and variety because you know when you're a black comedian or when you're a black artist that there's like one spot for you (laughs) you know so like when you when you or at least it maybe used to be it's starting to to feel different but the game is what the game will always be um where we'll be the minority and we'll always have a smaller percentage at the uh at the table but yeah when i was starting off it was like you know bunch of shows with a bunch of white comedians and if you were lucky enough you could be the the one black <laughs> comic so when i started when i started going going at it in this area i was like i don't give a shit like i don't just want to be the only black comic like there's 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 other ones so meeting bernard was 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 a huge blessing and and we started to do a lot of shows i think i've done more shows with him uh than anybody else in iowa so I did another show at Hot Spots in <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Charles City. Um, actually, the second show got we got booked. It was me and Josh Francis, who I've, I haven't had him on the podcast, but he, he's a young comic uh, in the military. And we get there to the show, and there was nobody there, like not a single person. And that's always disheartening when you have a good show, a good first show. You have a certain expectation of, okay, I hope the show is going to be great too. And it wasn't. It was so bad. Uh, we just canceled the show. We ended up rebooking it. And it was almost the same thing. I told people to come out. I had a couple of people come out to the show. And we we did it. But it was just bad. It was small. 
it was disrespectful. I had this one lady who I knew and I invited her to the show and she was talking all through the show. Uh, but that led me to meeting someone that you know. Talk to me about performing for the first time. Oh my God. <laughs> um, I don't think I have ever been more nervous for anything ever in my life. Like, <laughs> either I am finna fight or fight. And everything in with me was saying, fight, just fight, just run off the stage. And because the. Like every bad thought you can have crossed my mind. Like you gonna get up and pass out. You gonna go to open your mouth and nothing's gonna come out, or something's gonna come out and nobody's gonna laugh. They gonna boo you off the stage. So it was just because <laughs> I'm like outspoken, but I'm outspoken with people that know me. So like me, new people, I'm usually kind of stand off. Let me feel the situation and kind of you know get the vibe and fill it out so with this one it was like nah we just gonna throw you right to the wolves and go for it so when i got up there and you know because i know i'm not a comedian so i didn't write anything down or have any like prepared jokes to print like the day of i'm like i don't think i can do it and she was like just get up there and talk to him i'm like just get up there and talk to him okay so what are we supposed to talk about current events and she was like no for real just get up there like how you talk to us talk to them like just if you have to focus on me and just act like you talking to me and i got up there and i got to talking and the first few people got to laughing and i don't know it was like the best feeling in the world like oh okay so that's funny to you <laughs> and after i did my set or whatever and people talked to me and they were like oh my god i couldn't believe this was your first show ever and whatnot it felt good it was like okay i I could possibly do this. It's, you know, it was just like adrenaline. And then even like after a few days later, it's, it was still just like a good feeling. It was like, you know, it was my life. I just got up there and talked about my kids and my job. But after I thought about it, it was like, you know, somebody else probably needed that laugh or somebody else probably was going through that and didn't know how to word it like that. And you probably just made it easier for them. So after that, I just was like, I kind of like it. So to go back, it was it's 2019. Uh, I, I was having a Toys for Tot show at a local brewery. And this was probably my, I think this was number three. And uh, if I had a previous episode with a gentleman by the name of Ryan Thorson. And he inspired the the entire Toys for Tots show. And, and we had such a tremendous turnout I was I was just floored. And when you got up, I've been doing comedy for 10 years and I've seen a lot of scenarios. I've seen shitty first times. And and I'm not talking about the comic necessarily. I'm talking about just the the environment. You know, this is the first time ever you're getting up at a shitty bar. Nobody cares about and there's three people in the audience. Like, how do you think that's going to, you know, affect you? And and I've seen people get up. In, in in a you know comedy club full of people and so one thing i love about the brewery is how supportive the mic is that i hope i like to pretend i i built and you just got up and did easily one of the best first timers that i've ever seen and as 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 dating i'm like she and she lives around here you know like <laughs> fuck yeah like this is uh, this is the start of a beautiful friendship because <laughs> uh, you you do that. And then we go into 2020, which is essentially your first year of comedy. <laughs> Tell me about yeah. 
how <laughs> 2020 was for you as it pertains to first my first year. 2020 first year, I don't know. Like, I would assume as a for a first year for most comics, it's already hard because you're trying to you know get out there and make a name for yourself and get out there and touch bases with people. But with COVID going on and basically essentially the world shutting down, it was even harder because it was basically like there wasn't anywhere to go. And then already being a black comic and being this North Iowa there, you're already limited. So now you're extremely limited. So it was like anytime somebody reached out, it would be you or anybody else would message me like, hey, I got a show or hey, it's the open mic. I would do whatever I could to make it because I'm like, I just want to get out here and, you know, make somebody laugh. Because, I mean, for me, in a way, it was kind of like therapy. Like you get up there and it's like some of these people I might not never see again. So <laughs> whatever I tell them, they either going to forget it or if they do remember it, they go be like, okay, never going to see her again. And that's that. So it just, it's kind of like a form of a release. But for me, I feel like it was a good first year because I did get to do a lot of shows and I did get to go a lot of places and I got a lot of good knowledge and I got to meet a lot of good people and touch bases with people that I probably might not have got to touch bases with because if the world was opened up and there was so much more going on, we might not have thought fast. So for me, it was a good year. You you mentioned this the other day about what your least favorite show was why do you feel like it was it was your least favorite so we we had a show that summer in 2020 it was a black joy sort of it wasn't a juneteenth thing it was it was really just uh emmett till's i don't know if it was his birthday um that that was also tied to it but it, it was a really beautiful event and you were like I didn't like what I did. <laughs> what, 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 why, why was that it a takeaway? So, it wasn't so much I didn't like what I did. I mean, I think, I don't know if other comics do this, but like before a show, you kind of have, like, it's not like I want to say I set the bar at a certain point. Mm. And for that show, I kind of like had set material that I, like I had actually sat down and wrote some jokes and stuff. And when I did them, they didn't kind of like, you know, they didn't hit the way I thought they were going to hit. So for me, it was just kind of like, hmm, it was okay because people did laugh. They did enjoy them themselves, but kind of felt like I backslid a little bit because it was a few jokes that I did want to tell that I kind of felt like mm, maybe no, I shouldn't tell or whatnot. And then now that I had time to think about it, it's like, hmm, maybe you should have said it. It, it might have broke the ice on some things. So I don't know. For me, it was kind of like a stepping stone and a learning lesson. Like sometimes the thing that you think you shouldn't say, maybe that's the thing you should say because in that moment, maybe it needs to be said. I feel like for me, it wasn't a good show because I kind of held back more than I put out. To, to add context, it, we were outside in a park. <laughs> you know, the, the event, I think, started 3 p.m. And I don't think we started performing until, I want to say, 6 maybe seven we had a we had a rapper <laughs> who brought his whole family <laughs> like it was it was a very like <laughs> weird show i'm like not to um like make it a big thing or whatever because it's really not about race but it was a black lives matter kind of thing and i think outside of the performers and like the rapper that brought his whole family those were like the only black people that so it was kind of in a way it, it kind of hurt like you know this is something for the black community and i know for a fact it's more black people in iowa than this so you know why wouldn't your own people want to come out and kind of celebrate they i mean 
participate, people. You know. Oh, I, 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 I could not agree more with you. I've been, I've been personally hurt by a, a couple of events. You know, when when we do a Juneteenth show, or when I, you know, I go out of my way to to get black artists to travel here. I would love to see more black people in the crowd when I know that they're here. Like, it'd be one thing if I'm like, where are the black people at? But as I've lived here, as I've met people and know people, it it's it it, it saddens me that they only come out to A, B, and C. So no, I'm <laughs> I'm right there with you. Um <laughs> so when you say um, every time I get on stage, I, I want to progress a little. Do you still have that mentality? Because me and me and Dante talked about this a little bit on a conference call, uh, Dante Powell, and we he talked about not always feeling like you you need to kill every show. Like every show should have some some bit of uh, growth, but it's not always about. I have to murder and everybody has to to belly laugh at everything. And I know personally, especially this year alone, I've had some great shows. I've had some and shows, but there hasn't been many shows where I got off stage and felt like I didn't gain something. What, what are something that, what are some things that you like to accomplish before you hit the stage? Like what, 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 what's in your mind? Um, I don't they I don't have any like set accomplishments before I hit the stage. I just kinda my goal every time if I can just like I've said it before, if I can just make one person forget that might be in the audience that was having like a bad day. Like it's not about going out and killing it every time. It's not about making the whole room laugh. If I can just have a connection with one person that's like, you know what? I had that happen and, and yeah, it is kinda funny now that I think about it. You know, then that's it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk Thanksgiving, your uh, best and or worst Thanksgiving that you've ever had. And uh, I want to talk about favorite desserts, if you have them. And then I have a debate question that I'm going to ask you. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. All right, and we're back. So talking to Miranda Moses, and we we spent a lot of time just talking about comedy in, in your first year. I want to, the, the next holiday around the corner is Thanksgiving. Do you have a best and or worst? You can pick one of the two. Uh, Thanksgivings. Uh, like, are, are do you have family traditions? Is there things that you look forward to? Is there things you don't look forward to <laughs> when it comes to this holiday? Um. Thing, I don't know. The thing, the one thing that I do look forward to is like when my family, like I said, I'm from Chicago. So every year for Thanksgiving, it's always been like Thanksgiving and Christmas have always been two of the biggest holidays. Family comes in from out of town. 
we all meet up, you know, is food and games and football and you know, so the family time is what I look forward to. As far as like my best Thanksgiving, it would be I would say like early nineties. My grandma like she had a big house so she would always cook like it looked like she was trying to feed the National Army something. <laughs> the way when you would get over there, like, what is all this food for? She feed the whole neighborhood. But, you know, like, I had my uncle, he had just got back from the military. So he had came home and my grandpa was there. And my uncle I hadn't seen for a few years. He had came. So it was just like a really good year. And then, like, that following year, I had a cousin that had got killed and whatnot. So that was kind of like our last big holiday together so for me that was like the best holiday mm. um as far as like my worst thanksgiving ever i would probably say my, my very first thanksgiving in iowa like <laughs> I, no <laughs> no like i think i cried the whole two days before thanksgiving and the whole day of thanksgiving because i wasn't able to make it back home so it was like my first year trying to make Thanksgiving dinner on my own. It's just me and I got a five-year-old kid and I'm, you know, trying to put on a brave face and be happy mommy. And it's just like everything I cooked, nothing tasted like what I thought it should taste like because it didn't taste like my grandma's food and it didn't taste like my mom's food. And it's just like, you know, I'm over it. I, I, I hate it here. I want to pack up and go back home because this ain't for me. <laughs> so that would be my worst Thanksgiving ever. Um, you know, I, I think I would match you. I think my first Thanksgiving in Iowa was, I, I felt the same way. Um, <laughs> so I worked retail for like over 10 years. So Thanksgiving for a very long time was always connected to, uh, Black Friday. And my first, um, Thanksgiving when I moved out here, uh, cause I moved out here in 20, uh, 2007, I met my now wife and this is my first thanksgiving and i met her and we kind of was starting to go on dates so i was like this bitch gonna invite me to thanksgiving like that's cool that would be cool and and she didn't <laughs> she she just she just did not and i started a tradition of buying frozen pizzas and so i ate a frozen pizza for thanksgiving but i burnt it and every oh. other place was closed and so I had to eat a burnt frozen pizza for Thanksgiving. And that was that was my first one, which is uh whack as fuck. And so my and my favorite would be my 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 Otis. He he's um his birthday is November twenty-first. So because I had done retail so much, when he was born, I was able to take uh paternity leave. Maternity leave? I mm-hmm. left and I was able to be with my wife when um, when he was born. And, and so I spent that particular Thanksgiving and Black Friday in the hospital uh, and I, it, we, we welcomed our first child. So that's always a great memory to me. Um, let's talk desserts. Like what's your what's your like if this is served, move out of the way like you want it. What's number one for you? So my grandmother used to make this caramel caramel cake, and she makes it from scratch. Like she will make the caramel from scratch and the cake and everything. And when I tell you, when that caramel cake hit the table, baby, a Chicago back ain't had nothing on me. Get out the way! I'm clearing the room. <laughs> what the fuck's with that? Okay, 
I'm like, I know she can move that fast, baby. Yes. Yeah. But, now my second favorite would be sweet potato pie. I like I am a huge sweet potato girl. Like when I was little, <laughs> my grandmother <laughs> No, like that like people be like, What's your favorite food or whatever? Sweet potatoes. Like if I could never have nothing else. <laughs> I you that. that would be like my, my, my go to. Like if I had a last meal, that would definitely be included on my last meal. Like, I used to get put out the kitchen at Thanksgiving and Christmas because they'd be killing them. And I would literally be sitting there eating raw sweet potatoes. My mom would be like, fast as I'm killing them, you eating them on chunky stuff. Hey, 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 hey. I'm a carbs girl, Grandma. I love carbs. You know what? Uh, my my grandmother, yeah, she used to make... So so I have two... Gr- yeah, I have two grandmothers. <laughs> I have two grandmothers. Um... I, I'm just convinced everybody has a mean one and a, and a nice one, and I'll ask you that in just a second. But my nice grandmother used to make uh, peach cobbler. That's what she's the one that got me into peach cobbler. Like I love it, and I feel like as a 36 year old man, for the last you know 20 years, I've been in search of trying to find a peach cobbler as as, as good as the one that my grandmother used to make. And and then my mean grandma, yeah, she used to make. Um, sweet potato pies, which were amazing. My mom tried to make them, but they ain't they don't they don't hit right. <laughs> no offense, mom, <laughs> uh, if you listen to this episode. But toward the end of my grandma, my mean grandma's life, she started like making raw sweet potatoes. Like she would put it in the oven, and it wouldn't like bake fully, and she, it, it would be like soup. And <laughs> so it's like she served it to us one time. And like my feeling for sweet potatoes, I think kind of lessened after that. Um, your relationships with your grandma, uh, real quick, or granddad's like, um, are they still in your life? Um, are they still living? Unfortunately, my grandparents have passed on, but like, I don't know, my grandmother, my mom's mom, like, that was my all time favorite person. Like, I would pick my grandma over my mom. No offense to my mom, she was a good mom, I love her, but. I was just a grandma's girl because in my grandma's eyes, I could do no wrong. Like, I was, to her, I was like her second coming of Jesus, baby. Don't touch her, don't talk to her, don't don't raise your voice above a whisper. You, you leave that one alone. Now, my granddaddy, he he was loving, but he was strict because he was a military man. So he had that fine line, you know. When he spoke, he spoke once. And when I tell you to do something, it's done. I don't want to question it. Yes, sir. No, sir. So... You know, I had the best of both worlds. My grandmother was the overly sensitive, oh, come in, baby, it's okay, he ain't needing it. My grandpa, he was he was strong, but he was stern. So I feel like they had a big forming in who I am today, especially my grandma, because as sweet as she was with me, I would see it with other people, and I'd be like, oh, my God, like, <laughs> this woman don't play. <laughs> like, I remember I heard my grandmother curse somebody out for the first time, and I had to look like, is that my grandmama? Oh my god! <laughs> this woman, who? <laughs> so now when I, you know, certain things I do, my mama be like, "Oh my god, that, yeah, you definitely made Lee's grandchild." And I be like, "What? Yeah, that's your grandmama right there. That's all made Lee coming out." <laughs> I be like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> all right. So um, this this season, I've been taking requested debates on here and asking each guest. And this one comes from a real person 
And it's either you can comment, you can add advice or whatever, but your requested debate is, uh, and I just read it, I read it for what it is and you just respond. So here it goes. I don't know if it's, I don't know if this is a debate, but a question that sits in my head often, LOL. Why are women okay and willing to be the other woman? Mm, I don't know. I think it's different for each woman. But I I can say I've been in that position, but I've also been on the opposite side of that position too as well. But I know females that are in that position and some that prefer to be in that position. Some females don't want the stress of a full-on relationship, but they want the benefits of having a man in their life. So for them, they fine with that. I get to see him when I want to see him. If I ask him for something, I got that. But I don't have to worry about if he out doing to me what he doing to her because I know I'm the other chick or whatever the case is. So they're fine with that. But then you got some women that just have it, don't have it in them to be the other woman. Like when I... I went through that phase when I was younger, like, well, okay, he got a girlfriend, it is what it is, you know, <laughs> I might have had a boyfriend, you know, as they call it nowadays, a sneaky link, you know, <laughs> so, you know, everybody, I think everybody at one point or another in their life has had a, something on the side or a sneaky link or whatever the case is, but I feel like as you grow older and you know better, it's up to you to choose which way you want to go, because think about just a thing I like to do is put myself now as I've gotten older, put myself in the opposite person's position. Like, if it was me, how would I react? Before, you know, like, I'd be like, well, it is what it is. Now I'm like, okay, if it was you, and, you know, especially if you know the backstory, they've been together, they have kids or whatever the case is, it's just certain things you don't do. So, I mean, to each their own, but I feel like for some women, they do it because they don't know any better some don't care or some just feel like to me i don't want the full-on relationship but i want the perks of a relationship and i can get that without having a relationship so it works for me got it i agree yeah my my comment was um good dick and less and and zero stress i think is what i wrote so um <laughs> all right so so we're, <laughs> we're at the end um there so i have a comedy question for you and and then I have a, a separate question, and then I conclude the episode with you asking me a question if you have one. So the my comedy question is uh, pick you pick a number from one to five. Um, three. Okay. Number three. What is your favorite? What is currently your favorite joke that you tell on stage? The one about the brownies at work in the potluck. <laughs> so I have a coworker and <laughs> we don't like each other and she tries to find ways to get me hired. So one day she made a big issue about me coming to work smelling of a certain fragrance. And, you know, she took it to the dirt. So my homegirl found out that they was planning on doing like a little secret drop or whatever. So she called me like, girl, listen, they didn't ready to drop everybody. But a few days before they were planning on doing the drop, we had a potluck. So I ain't really for everybody because I'm not going to be the only person in the unemployment line. We all been fired. <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you call that joke? Like, do you title your jokes? 
many comedians like myself. I I have a title for each joke. What do you what do you title this joke as? Hot luck. Hot luck. <laughs> Got it. And my my last just inquiry is uh, last year you talked to Cliff uh, Cliff and Anton. He's been on the podcast about starting your own podcast, and I just wanted to revisit that thought of. If you did have a podcast, uh, have you thought about a name for it and or what it would be about or what you would talk about? Because I would love to encourage you to pull the trigger and, and do something like that. Because for me, the, the podcast has been very therapeutic. You talk about that and in, in being on stage. But this has been a different type of uh, outlet. And, and, and yeah, so, um, yeah, I just I just wanted to kind of revisit that. Um, yeah, I did speak with Cliff. We did set up some stuff and we did start working on some stuff. I actually did come up with a name for it. It will be called Miss Moses Uncensored. And Ooh, basically, I, I mean, nowadays, mental health is a big thing. And for me, mental health is really a big thing. I've had struggles with depression and postpartum depression and other things. And as a black woman in today's society, I can go and ask for a therapist, but 90% of the time, the person they're going to put in front of me cannot identify with the things I've been through in life. And I just feel like mental health for African-American people and just and for brown people in general, we really have nowhere to go to to discuss our mental health. Because like I've said before, in the black community, mental health is a big thing. Like when I first started going to therapy, I had a lot of people look at me like, oh, so you crazy, huh? Why do I have to go? be labeled as crazy because I want to talk to somebody about these feelings that I'm having that I feel like aren't natural and aren't normal. I just want somebody to help me identify what I'm feeling and help me figure out why am I feeling this way and what can I do to make myself feel better about feeling this way. Not because I'm crazy, but you know, like I tell people, I grew up, my mom, I know my mom loves me, but my mom wasn't one of those people, oh, I love you, give me hugs. She wasn't overly affectionate or emotional. So I've noticed as I've gotten older in a lot of ways, emotionally, I'm shut down. So I feel like that has a lot to do with my mental health as well. So I feel like, you know, we just need a platform where people can come and discuss different things and they aspect. And I just kind of want to touch on it from the perspective as a black woman in today's society. I absolutely love that. And uh, as I said before, if I can help in any way, I'd love to. Um, okay. So what, what, um, do you have a question for me? And and that's that's it. Then that's the episode. I do have a question for you. So you seven inches. No, I'm sorry. That's have... stupid. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> it's shrunk on me. But okay. you have your oldest son, <laughs> and then you have your middle baby, mm -hmm. and now you finally have your baby girl. So mm -hmm. are you done with children? Do you feel like three is your magic number? Maybe yeah. one more or. Just no, I'm uh put with it. No, like I I I got the vasectomy <laughs> the uh, like a week before my daughter was born. So like done done. Okay. And I mean, I know they can be reversed, so I'm just I saying, know people you know, say that, but like no get it reversed. <laughs> there's no reason for that. Okay. Like we don't say like I I feel like um it was Okay, so <laughs> Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. 
No, I, I, that was going to be, I had like a second part to the question. So was it that you wanted a daughter and once you had your daughter, you were like, okay, I got my boys, I got my girl, and that's just it for me? Uh, no. I mean, I'm, I'm blessed to have a, a beautiful baby girl and and have a boy and and have boys and, and a girl. But the conversation was, I don't want to do this no more. Like like these kids, you know, you, you <laughs> like they're great, but like they they are so annoying. Like they they bring out the best and I don't want to say the best and the worst, but they, they bring out different levels of yourself that I don't think was possible. Like I it's a real thing. When you have when you have kids, your patience level, I don't know. I never knew I could be this patient with a human being like and, and loving and compassion. And then just annoyed by like it, like my kids don't even be crazy annoying sometimes, but it's like, they'll say something a certain way. And it's like, why did I have you? <laughs> no, okay. Maybe not that, but like, so no, we, we had the conversation. And when we got pregnant a third time, it was, this is going to be the last one, regardless if we have a boy or a girl. And we did an early screening, paid $50 for it for them to tell us that we were going to have uh, what, what the baby sex was. And they told us it was going to be a boy. So for like a good three months, we were expecting the ultrasound and everything to reveal a boy. And it was like, nope, no penis. So we were, and I think that was like the validation of, we are definitely going through with this and, and snipping those balls. So <laughs> what, what about you? That's a good question. I, I hate to keep, you know, asking you so many questions, but, but if I could be honest and open, like I love our dialogues, but there's not a lot of times we can sit and, and, and talk. And I know there's so much more about you that I want to learn and know. And a lot of times these things come out like when, when we're working a gig and we're driving and, and hitting the road, things like that. But I'm I'm just invested in you. So uh yeah you can you want to share real quick and um I have three girls. I did have a son he passed shortly after birth. But like when I was younger I wasn't involved in a really bad accident so the doctors after that like i had health issues the doctors were like well you know you might not be able to get pregnant if you do it might be hard for you to carry the term so when i got pregnant with my oldest daughter i was like okay well that's my blessing so i was kind of done after her nine years later i had bella and i'm like okay so you know that's fine then three years after Bella, I got pregnant with Destiny. And then that's kind of when all those health issues came to kind of bite me in the butt. Like I had a lot of doctor's appointments, everything that could go wrong with the pregnancy did go wrong. I wound up going into preterm labor and she was born three months early. But in the process of delivery, after I delivered her, I did cold. I was technically dead for two minutes and 31 seconds. Like I almost bled out. So after that, the doctor told me, he was like, listen, I'm just going to give it to you as straightforward as I can. If you get pregnant again, you have a 25% chance. I'm like, of what, carrying a baby to term or what? He's like, no, of surviving, like wow. getting pregnant, carrying a baby and actually living. He's like, you probably won't even make it to term. You'll bleed to death. And that's as straightforward as I can give it to you. So after that, I started to have issues with like fibroids and stuff like that. And the doctor was like, listen. Your body, in so many words, is rejecting itself. We need to do something. 
So they wind up having to do a partial hysterectomy. So I still have ovaries, so I can donate you some eggs if anybody <laughs> would like to have some of my offspring, but I cannot carry them for you. <laughs> so that part of me is done. <laughs> eggs for sale. <laughs> Got eggs for yeah. sale. <laughs> <laughs> They're a little scrambled, but they still work. <laughs> Miranda, thank you for making time. Um, I know we'll we'll continue to work and do a bunch of shows together, but I really like this opportunity just to talk and chop it up with you and get to know you a little bit better. Even though we've we've worked so much within the last uh, year and a half, uh, I look forward to uh, things to come. Um, anything else you want to say to the listeners while I got you? Basically, just keep an eye out for me when I do a show. I do have merchandise for sale. I'm working on some new merchandise ideas and hopefully by the beginning of the year my podcast will be coming out and I'll have it streaming somewhere and if you would like to be a guest or you have any ideas or any information you think might be informative please hit me up my Facebook page is Miranda Venice Moses I have a comedy page Miss Moses Comedy I'm on Instagram I'm working on a Twitter page hey I'm out here (laughs) (laughs) I love that like the other day I was out in Mason at Walmart and some girl was like, hey, I know you. And I'm like, never seen this chick a day in my life. She's like, you the fucking kids, buddy. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> I was just, you know, it's kind of surprising because, you know, a lot of people are starting to recognize me as the lady, you know, the fucking kids lady. And it's like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's fine. Uh, that's fucking dope. Um, that's a great feeling i don't think that ever goes away and it comes from the hard work that you put in so keep doing you and i can't wait to see what comes next all right i'm gonna let everybody go thank you guys for listening that is the end of this episode but again like she said you can follow her on all of her socials until next time i'll talk to you when i talk to you peace It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline.